Hey gang, Rickley James here. I just wanted to remind you as we begin today's podcast that my new live album and DVD, Basement Psalms Live, is available at rickleyjames.com. You can also get it for a limited time as a digital download at getmopix.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-P-I-X.com. Only $5.99 for the full, uncut, digital concert. You can watch it right on your mobile device from getmopix.com. Make sure to stop by rickleyjames.com for more information on everything pertaining to my ministry, my music, what's going on in my life. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head podcast, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick James and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the window. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm glad to be with you today. I'm just back from my first week in West Virginia at the Mission to the World Camp, and it's been an exciting, wonderful week. Today, my guest is Chaplain Rich Young. Last year, I had Rich on the show, but unfortunately, the message that he preached that I had planned to bring to you, I somehow lost uh, between West Virginia and Ohio. Well, this year, just to make sure, I would have a message for you to hear by him, because he's such a great, very talented, very God-filled preacher. I recorded two sermons with him, and uh, and I have good news. I got them both, but I'm only going to play one for you this week here on Voices in My Head, episode number 76. His topic is prayer. It's a fantastic sermon, and if you listen long enough, I, I believe you'll even hear me singing at the very end of his message. Uh, good words for us, and uh, prayer is something that should be very close to the heart of the believer, and uh, I believe you're going to be very blessed by it today. Not going to do much preliminary today, but we're going to go right into question of the week, which actually this week comes from a listener. I'm very excited to bring you this question of the week by John Wilkerson. His question is, if you could go to any time in the past and record the event, when would you go? Well, we do have some answers to that question. Some of them we recorded live in West Virginia. So let's get right into this section called Question of the Week. Question of the Week. I think I called that a section. I actually meant segment. It's a segment called Question of the Week. Now, just to let you know, I was up in West Virginia in Fairmont. Every summer for the last few years, I have been a worship leader up there for some camps that they do, but they're not like any camps that you're probably used to. Uh, when you go to these camps, you work, and you work hard. Uh, you put on roofs on houses. You put new basements in. You paint houses. You do lawn care. You minister to those who are bedridden and really can't do for themselves. And sometimes you're ministering to people who really just don't have a way to help themselves. And so this is the church really putting its hands and feet forward. And I think I said feet. Gosh, I'm tired. Hands and feet forward. Um, and it's my privilege to lead music every evening as we come together and on Sunday morning, too, when we uh, come to worship and then we go out into work. So um, I'm going to play you some responses this week from people who are at the camp. And uh, I'm also going to uh, read you some from listeners that we had online who, f- who gave us feedback to this question. So here we go. 
Longtime listener Daniel Coots wrote in that he would go back to the early church or the Middle Ages. That's a lot of stuff to record, uh, but more power to you. That would be very interesting to record that. Matthew Cole wrote in and he said, There's not even a close second on this one. More than any moment in history, I would want to have stood and observed the conversation between Jesus and the woman brought to him having been caught in adultery. I want to see what he drew in the dirt. I want to see the expression on the faces of the accusers. I want to hear the tone of his voice when he pronounces her freedom. I want to see her face when he does, but above all, I want to look into his eyes when he says, Go and sin no more. Great response, Matthew Cole. Thank you for writing that in. Something like a little, a little nepotism to go a long way. We have my sister and my father who both wrote in. My sister said, I think I would go back to Roanoke in approximately 1588 and record what actually happened to the people in the lost colony. And Randy Lee James, my father, wrote in and said, I would like to eavesdrop on the Emmaus Walk and hear Jesus explain to them what was said about himself in all the scriptures, beginning with the books of Moses and the writings of all the prophets. Luke twenty four twenty seven. Good answers this week. Well, while I was up in West Virginia, as promised, I asked some of the people who were there on staff working what they thought their event would be. And this is the abundance of wisdom that we achieved from that time. Here we are at the Voices in My Head podcast. I am Rick Lee James. As you know, we are here in Fairmont, West Virginia at the Mission to the World campsite. We have been here all week long doing all kinds of the Lord's work and we are glad to do it. Um, Today I have with me several guests that are going to answer the question of the week. They don't quite know what they're going to say because I just sprung it on them here uh, quickly. But the question for this week is... And somebody's making noise in the background, so just ignore that. Um, The question of the week is, if you could go back anywhere in time and record an event, what event would it be? And uh, while they're thinking, I'll go ahead and start with mine. I was thinking about all kinds of, like, really big historical moments, but you know what? I think that we embellish things in history so much that I'm afraid anything I went back to see would probably just be disappointing. So, what I wish is that I could go back and record my wedding because we don't have a recording. We have lots of pictures, but we don't have that. And I know that was a good day, and uh, so that's mine. If I could go back and record anything, um, and so I hopefully I just took pressure off you guys for your answer, because it can be an event in your life, too, that you would just like to have and watch again and again. So, uh, all right. My friend Chet, how about you answer question of the week, if you have one? If I could go back in time and record any event, it would probably be... The first time I held my youngest brother, Ty. No, as a baby, right? As a baby. Not, not as a grown person. Not as a grown person. <laughs> <laughs> as very a baby. <laughs> All right, that's a good answer. That's very good. Uh, how old were you when, when that happened? I was 11 years old. Nice. And I can't really remember it. And he was just a baby. Just a little baby. All right. Faith, what about you? Um, I think I'd go back and watch creation happen. Watch creation happen. That's a pretty good one. That would be kind of an uh, amazing thing to see. It makes my thing about my wedding seem really small. <laughs> but, but it's not. So, anyway. <laughs> All right, Meredith, do you have an answer for this week's question of the week? Where would you go back and record? Yes, it's a big answer. Um, my freshman year in college, because it would be like the greatest reality TV show ever. It was never dull, so... 
There was always something happening with 50 people on one hall. All right. <laughs> All right. That's a pretty good one. And uh, we have director of the camp, Mark Thompson, who I know is just going to say he'd go back and record Night Rider episodes. But yeah, so. what, would, what, what would your dun, answer be, dun, Mark? Dun. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to say creation because I had answered this earlier. But the more I thought about it, I would actually go back to the day and time that my father passed away and I got to usher him into the presence of Christ. Hmm. So. Well, you sound way more spiritual than the rest of us now, too. Well, I guess that's why I'm the director. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and those of you will remember about a year ago when Mark was my guest on Voices in My Head, and <laughs> hopefully will be again here in the future. So, uh, And I recorded that event, ironically enough, yes. so it was yep. it's on recording. <laughs> All right, and uh, and Mary, do you have an answer? Yes, I do. I would I would probably go back and record um, when my family lived in Honduras because I was only two and I don't remember a thing. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Noah doesn't have an answer. He's just giving me the you know no sign. But I don't know what that sign is called where you put your chop hand your under your throat off. like I'll chop your neck off He's if you ask me kill type you. thing. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I don't want to be killed, so I'm not going to ask Noah. <laughs> so, well, thanks, everybody, for being a part of the Voices in My Head podcast this week. Any closing words as we close the question of the week? Who chatted? Who chatted? <laughs> yeah, uh, who chatted? Uh, that's been a hashtag that we've been, uh, we've been throwing around here. Uh, if you use Twitter, you'll understand that. Just look up who chatted, and you'll be able to see some of the events of the camp this week. Hashtag who chatted. And then we got to hear the question of the week answered by Chaplain Young, immediately followed by his message on prayer that he brought to us this past week in Fairmont, West Virginia. I know you're going to enjoy it. God bless, and thanks for listening to Voices in My Head. All right, here we are with Chaplain Rich Young. He's been our speaker all week this week. I was so disappointed last year because I recorded a fantastic sermon by him, and I got home, and somehow I had lost the track that I had recorded. And uh, so that, what, what I did was I recorded two sermons this year, just in case anything happened. <laughs> They're both fantastic. And uh, we have him here as well to answer question of the week this week. So welcome back to Voices in My Head, Rich. Thank Good you very here. much, Rick. And your question of the week for this week okay. is, if you could go back anywhere in the past and record an event, what event would you record? Okay, you, you know, I had to think about this because there's so many important things. And I thought about things for my own life and things from the sports world. I'm a big sports fan. I mm -hmm. uh, thought about scripture. There were a couple came to mind. One was, uh, well, I won't even say what the one was. I'll get to the <laughs> one that I would really like to have recorded. This is on the condition, though, that I would have been there to record it myself. Okay. And uh, I, I would love to have been there when Jesus rose from the dead. Mm. I mean, that is just the event that has changed history, it has changed eternity, it has changed my life, and, mm -hmm. and millions throughout the ages. So I think if I could record one event in history, and I could have been there to do it myself, it would have been the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's a good answer. Very good. So... Well, Rich, thank you so much, and uh, immediately following this, you're the uh, listeners are going to get to hear one of your messages from this week, and uh, it's been great being with you, so thank you for being again on the Voices in My Head podcast. Well, you're very welcome. Many blessings. Mm -hmm. 
Chet today gave me a little class on Twitter because I don't know anything about that, and that's been a big discussion the last few days. You know, isn't it great when you can Skype someone and you can talk to someone and see their picture, whether it's you know, a, the other end of the house or across town or the country or even around the world. You can Skype and you can talk and you communicate. But as good as communication today is, I think there's really one, uh, one area of communication that needs a whole lot of improvement. And that is voicemail and telephone trees. You really want to get through and you want to talk to someone and uh, it just seems like forever before you can get to a real person. And I know sometimes I'll try and shortcut it because I think I know which prompts I want and I'll get kicked right out. And then you got to get start clear back at the beginning. Well, have you ever wondered what it might be like if you prayed and God had voicemail or a telephone tree? It might sound something like this. Thank you for calling my father's house. Please select one of the following options. Press 1 for requests. Press 2 for thanksgiving. Press 3 for complaints or press 4 for all other inquiries. Maybe the voice would say, I'm sorry, all of our angels are busy helping other sinners right now. <laughs> However, your prayer is important to us and will be answered the order in which it was received, so please stay on the line. <laughs> Can you imagine praying and here's the answer? It says, if you would like to speak to Gabriel, press 1. If you'd like to speak to Michael, press 2. For a directory of other angels, press 3. If you would like to hear King David sing a psalm while you're on hold, please press 4. <laughs> if you'd like to see if a loved one has been assigned to heaven, press 5. Enter his or her social security number, then press the pound code. <laughs> if you get a negative response, try area code 666. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Or maybe the voice says, for reservations at my father's house, please dial J-O-H-N-316. For answers to nagging questions about dinosaurs, the ages of, age of the earth, or where Noah's Ark is, please wait until you arrive here. <laughs> maybe it says our computers show that you've already prayed once today. Please hang up and try again tomorrow. Or the office is closed for the weekend to observe a religious holiday. <laughs> Please pray again Monday after 9.30 a.m. If you need an emergency assistance, please contact your local pastor. Well, thankfully, whenever we pray, we can be assured that God does not have voicemail and that he doesn't have a telephone tree that takes a whole lot of hitting the prompts to get through to him. Matter of fact, not only God doesn't have voicemail today, but he didn't have it when Elijah prayed many, many years ago either. And I'd ask you now to turn in your Bibles now to 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 46. And we're going to look this evening at a passage that's even mentioned in the New Testament that we'll talk about in a minute. But this is a prayer that Elijah said that had power and great effect. 
And here to read that passage for us tonight is Lydia. Lydia. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the town of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Thank you. Let's have a prayer. Our gracious Father and our God, what a blessing it is that we can be your child. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us into your family and that we can call you tonight, Abba, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you give us to pray and to enter into your presence, not because of anything that we have said or done, but because of who Jesus is and all that he has said and done. Now, Father, tonight as we look at your word, I pray, God, that you might open our eyes, that we might see your truth. I pray, Father, that you might open our ears, that we might hear your voice. And I ask you, God, to open our hearts, that we might be sensitive and responsive to all that you would do in them tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to put the passage that Lydia read in a little bit of a context, it hasn't been too long since God defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And shortly following that, Elijah then went out and he slaughtered 450 of those prophets. There has been no rain for about three and a half years. Elijah had told Ahab a couple of chapters ago, and we're going to look at that in a few minutes, in chapter 17, verse 1, that there will be no rain again in Israel until Elijah said that there would be. And now that time has come. Elijah is going to pray, and it's time for the heavens to open and for rain to come again. James tells us that this prayer of Elijah's was a powerful prayer. James writes in chapter 5, and he says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Look for a second at that first sentence. It says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James says that, but then he goes back and he uses Elijah as an example of what that looks like in real life. And so what I'd like to do this evening is go back and look at that passage 
and analyze it and just pick it apart a little bit. Because as we look at it, I think in there we will find four principles for powerful praying. And the first one is this. God wants us to get alone with him. Verse 42, and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel. Elijah got alone with God. Now we do know from, from reading the scripture that his servant came and went a few times. Well, seven as a matter of fact. But for the most part, Elijah was by himself. He had gotten away from Ahab and all of his entourage. He had gotten away from all those Israelites who may have witnessed what happened on Mount Carmel. And he got away by himself. Just him and the God of Israel for a time of prayer and a time of supplication. And as he did so, he was asking God to fulfill the promise that he gave back in chapter 17. It is certainly good when we can gather together and we can pray publicly or when we can pray corporately as the body of Christ. And, and we saw a wonderful example of that last night when Mark and Rick led us through a time of through the ACTS formula and guidelines and principles for gathering together in prayer. That's good. That's biblical. <clears throat> Those are the kind of things that we should do. But we shouldn't do them to the neglect of our own private prayer lives. I am convinced, and I become more and more so as I become, I'm a Christian longer, that we miss out on one of the greatest blessings we have as Christians if we neglect our own time of private prayer with our Heavenly Father. I had the chance to be with Faith today whenever they had lunch, and Evan gave a, a devotion, a great devotional on worship. And one of the things he did today that I want to do now is draw your attention to the first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is what? What is the chief end of man? What's the primary purpose of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy to enjoy Him forever. I truly believe that one of the ways that we can enjoy God forever is in our times of private prayer. When we can come to him with who we are and all the garbage we've got in our lives and we can spend time with him in fellowship and in prayer and in worship and in sweet, sweet communion with our Heavenly Father. What a way to enjoy him other than to be in his presence in a time of prayer, just you and him. Being alone with God, it's a biblical pattern. We see it throughout scripture. We see Moses at the burning bush. We see Daniel going to his room three times a day by himself to pray. Think of the time that David had out in the desert with God, taking care of the sheep. Paul's three years in Arabia. And we can see a definite pattern, of course, in the life of Jesus, going off by himself and communing and being with his Heavenly Father. Brennan Manning writes, and he says, If I look back over the years and ask, what has led me into the deeper love of Christ? I would point to faithfully setting apart a period of every day for prayer. 
The purpose is to go deeper into the love of Christ. It isn't to win favor with God. It isn't to put points on the board with Him. It isn't just to check the blocks so we don't have a guilty conscience because we can say, yeah, I prayed today, I'm good to go. But it's that we might grow deeper into the love of Christ. That we might have communion with our Heavenly Father. That we might enjoy just being in the Heavenly Father's presence. So far, I have probably haven't told you anything you haven't heard before that you don't already know. But sometimes, I think prayer is just work. Prayer is work. Prayer is difficult sometimes. Because we've got so many distractions and so many voices calling us away from that quiet time and that prayer in our lives. We're tired. We're busy. We have a hectic schedule. We've got children running around. My biggest distraction, you know what my biggest distraction is? It isn't any of those. My biggest distraction is wondering thoughts and daydreaming. I could start off praying for art and within about 15 seconds I have covered the world and still back to wonder why the sports lost the NBA finals and why they didn't win in game six. <laughs> I'm serious. When I think about the way my mind works, my distractions, my wondering, my daydreaming, I'll start praying for this and three minutes later I'm thinking about something else that has nothing to do with anything. We all face different distractions. That's a big one for me, and, and I hope you know what your distractions are. And I think one of the things that we can do to try to fight those distractions is to be creative in our prayer lives. Prayer doesn't always mean Rich going into his little room by himself, getting down on his knees and praying. We can be creative in our prayer lives. I've got a friend that a couple years ago I, we were talking about this and he told me that, that when he gets in a rut he starts typing out his prayers to God in the morning. Oh, just what a great way to focus. Be creative. You can go on a praise walk. You can try to tell God thank you some morning going through the alphabet. Try, try to praise him for all of his attributes going through the alphabet. You want a real challenge in your prayer life? Try praying for a period of time thanking God without asking for a thing. That's difficult. I'll try that, and before you know it, I'm back into the ask mode. You know, but one of the ways we can fight some of our distractions, I think, is by, by trying to be creative in our prayer lives and, and don't let ourselves get in a rut. Another great thing to do would be, as you're memorizing scripture, don't just lock them away up there so you can spit them out. But as you're memorizing that scripture, meditate on it. Let that memorization and meditation be a time of allowing the Holy Spirit not just to lock it away up here, but to make a difference down here. Be creative. Help you get out of a rut. Principle number two, God wants us to humble ourselves before him. 
Verse 42, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. When Elijah prayed this prayer, he assumed a posture of humility and submission and dependence upon God. And as he got down the way he did, his body language was reflecting the attitude of his heart. I find it interesting that James refers to this as a powerful prayer, and we don't even know what the prayer was. We don't know what his words were. We don't know exactly what he said to God. But we do know what the attitude of his heart was whenever he said it, and we do know that God answered that prayer. And again, that same attitude can be very difficult for us. Because an attitude of uh, being reliant upon someone else doesn't come naturally because we are raised from the time we're just a little one to be self-reliant, to be self-dependent, to do things for ourselves, to accomplish things ourselves, and then we're applauded all along, along the way when we do Rick and Jen have a little baby boy by the name of Alex. Alex is going to be six months old tomorrow. When Rick left home a few days ago, Alex was rolling one way. Now, in a couple days he's been gone, Alex can roll from front to back and back to front. He's growing. He's learning to do things himself. Before you know it, pretty soon Alex is going to be crawling along. And what are they going to do? Just like you and I would. Way to go, Alex! <laughs> you know, then he's going to stand up and, and he's going to hold on to the couch with their hands. Way to go, Alex! He can stand. He's on his own. He's doing things himself. And then one day he's going to start walking. And when he starts walking, a couple things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to applaud him. Number two, they're going to baby-proof their house because they can reach things they couldn't reach before. <laughs> and then he's going to learn to hold his bottle himself and tie his shoes himself and ride a tricycle and a two-wheeler with training wheels. Then the training wheels come off and every single step he's becoming more self-sufficient, more self-reliant, less of a need for mom and dad. And that's the way it ought to be. I mean, good grief. That's the way we've got to grow up. The problem is when we allow that attitude of self-reliance and doing things ourselves and not needing our Heavenly Father to creep into our spiritual lives. And when we do, we no longer have that attitude of submission and humility before God. Who among us has not had God Knock us down a little bit. Knock us down a couple notches because we got a little bit too full of ourselves. He does it with kindness. He does, us, does it with love. He does it with grace. But he does it. How much better it would be if we can do that ourselves so he doesn't have to. Donald Gray Barnhouse writes and he says, Christ sends none away empty except those who are full of of themselves. Three questions I want to give you that will help you 
remain humble and submissive before God. Question number one. When am I tempted to think more of myself than I should? That can be different for each and every one of us. Is it after spiritual victory? Is it after we can fare more out when you get back home and you think of just how neat it was helping somebody and what a great job you did helping somebody? Maybe tempted to get a little full of yourself? Maybe it's when you look at your new house or your new, your new bank, your, your new car, or your bank account, or your grades, or maybe when you look in the mirror tempted to just get a little full of ourselves. When are you tempted to feel that way? Question number two. What are the ways in which you are dependent upon God? Just stop and think about that for a minute. Your salvation, your life, your health, your breath. Just make a list of the ways you're dependent upon God and the ways that you need Him. Third thing, and I really didn't know how to word this, so afterwards, if someone has a better idea of writing it this way, tell me. But what are other things that I should think about to make to keep me humble? And here are some examples. The trials that you go through. Your thoughts in the flesh. Your shortcomings. The sin that you have had forgiven that only you and God know about. The sin that may be in your life right now that only you and God know about. Think about the gifts that you have are only there because He gave them to you. The answers to prayer I don't know what a big umbrella phrase is for that, but just those kind of things that we can focus on that will help us remain humble before God. Because our relationship with God, just in a nutshell, is that of a child depending upon their father, a sheep relying upon the shepherd, and a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And if we can just remember that, it will help us maintain the attitude of heart that Elijah had. Principle number three, God wants us to pray expectantly. Verses 41 and 44, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of rushing of rain. And he said, Go up, prepare your chariots and go down, lest the rain stop you. It is really, really significant there that Elijah was telling Ahab to eat, drink, get in his chariot and take off because rain was on the way and there wasn't a cloud in the sky yet. It had not rained a drop, not even a cloud in the sky yet, but Elijah was expecting it. He was anticipating that God was going to answer that prayer. And he knew that God was going to. He could pray that way because he knew that, that that prayer was based on the promise of God that God had made him back in chapter 17, verse 1. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, 
There shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Elijah's prayer was based upon a promise of God. It was based upon the promise of the same God who sent ravens to cater his meal along the brook Cherith. The same God who once he got to Zarephath kept the oil and the flour full. The same God who breathed life into the son of the widow lady in Zarephath. The same God who snapped his fingers and consumed the sacrifice on Mount Carmel. You see, in Elijah's mind and in Elijah's experience with God, God had a pretty good track record. God's track record with Elijah was that if I say something, I'm going to do it. That if I make a promise, I'm going to fulfill it. And I think if you and I take inventory, we will find the exact same thing, that God is a fulfiller of promises. He is a fulfiller of promises, but I just want to digress and talk about that for a minute, because as we read through the Word, there are some promises that are conditional promises. That there are some things, some conditions that we ought to meet, need to meet, before God will fulfill them. An example would be Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. There's a promise there, He will direct your paths. But there's some conditions along the way. Trust, lean not, acknowledge, then He will direct your paths. So we can trust God to fulfill his promises. We can pray expectantly, anticipating that he'll do that. If there are conditions to be fulfilled, then we need to study them. We need to know what they are. We need to apply them to our lives, and we need to fulfill those conditions. And then we can pray expectantly, truly anticipating that the answer is on the way. St. Augustine reminds us that God is more anxious to bestow his blessings on us than we are to receive them. Principle number four, God wants us to pray persistently. Verses 43 and 44, And Elijah said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising up from the sea. Elijah didn't quit after one or two times. Elijah just kept at it, kept knocking on the door of heaven, kept knocking on the door of heaven, kept knocking on the door of heaven. And because he was expecting an answer, he kept sending his servant to see if it was coming yet. And finally, after the seventh time, there's a little cloud. Rising out of the Mediterranean Sea, coming our way, the sky's black, and the heavens open. Not only do we see it in Elijah's life, but we see persistence. Jesus also talking, not only talking about being persistent in prayer, 
But also we see him, him living it. Remember in Luke, he talks about being persistent in prayer and he gives a couple of parables. One about the friend that comes knocking on the door at midnight and the other one about the widow and the unrighteous judge. Tells us we ought to keep coming back in prayer. But we also see him modeling that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed three times about the cup that was coming his way. We see Paul also modeling that prayer as we read through the epistles and, and we just see how much he prayed for the people that he wrote to. And he prayed not once or twice, but three times about the thorn of, in his flesh. You know, I think God loves it when we keep coming back to him. He loves it when we keep coming back, but, but it kind of begs the question, why do we need to do that? Why can't I just pray once, God answers that prayer, and we move on? Wouldn't that be nice? Not really. I can't tell you exactly why God doesn't answer all the time. As soon as we pray, sometimes he does. But he doesn't all the time, and I can't tell you why he doesn't. In your situation, why you've got to keep on praying. I'm going to give you some options here to choose from, and this is just a few. There's many, many more. But one reason that God doesn't answer our prayer right away is that in our minds, we might get him confused with a genie that comes out of a lamp. You know, the genie comes out of the lamp. Our, our wish is his command. As soon as you ask it, it takes place. You put the genie back in the lamp. That's not the God we're praying to. He's not a genie who comes out of the land. Waiting gives us time to examine what we really want. Do we want our will or God's will? It's time for the Holy Spirit to help us kind of figure that out. It can teach us patience. Waiting for an answer to prayer can develop and strengthen our faith. Waiting for an answer to prayer gives an opportunity for God to work in us. Think about your own prayer life and when you're praying about circumstances in your life. Are you usually praying for God to change those circumstances? Or are you praying for you, Him to change you, to live like His child and behave like His child in the midst of those circumstances. Maybe what he's all about is wanting to change us, not change the situations in our lives. Sometimes I think we've got to wait because it teaches us to rely on him and his timing. We see that in the Old Testament. Sometimes we have the right idea, we're going the right direction, but the timing's off. Remember the Old, Old Testament? David's got this great idea. Lord, I want to build a temple for you. I've got a house, now you need one. What's God say, David? Great idea. Bad timing, that's what I want your son to do. And sometimes maybe that's what we've got to do. We're heading the right direction. We've kind of got the mind of the Lord about something, but we're off a little bit on his timing. Let's be persistent in prayer. Let's keep it up. Until we have an overwhelming reason 
to quit praying about something? Let's be persistent. Let's keep at it. Dr. A.C. Dixon says, when we rely on organization, we'll get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we, what, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on prayer, we get what God can do. James says that the fervent prayer of a righteous person is a prayer with great power. The great thing about what James write there is that he wasn't just writing about Elijah, but he was writing about you, and he was writing about me when we follow Elijah's example. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious Father, our God, what a privilege it is to be able to come into your presence because of who Jesus is and all that he's done and you are being at work in our lives. God, you tell us to come boldly to your throne of grace. We're just told over and over and over again in Scripture to pray and how to pray. But God, sometimes prayer doesn't come naturally to us. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's hard. Father, help us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Rich. Those are amazing words. I always love to get to hear Rich preach. And uh, he asked me if I'd do a song. And I was going to do one that we could all sing together. But I think just because of the emphasis as I was listening tonight and the talk on prayer, I think I just want to sing the song I sang as we began our prayer time last night. And maybe if if you could just kind of prayerfully listen and and maybe pray the words that I'm singing too and we'll just kind of let this be our, our closing song slash prayer tonight the song called Speak to Me I want to be where you are I want to know Lord who you are so when you call my name I'll say to you, here I am, I'm listening, Lord, speak to me, I want to see how you see, change my heart, Lord, make me holy, if there's anything in my life that doesn't honor you tonight I'm listening Lord speak to me speak to me speak to me I want to be want to know, Lord, who you are. So when you call my name, I'll say to you, here I am. I'm listening, Lord. Speak to me. I want to see 
change my heart, Lord, and make me holy. If there's anything in my life that doesn't honor you tonight, I'm listening, Lord, speak to me. So when you call my name, I'll say to you, here I am. I'm listening, Lord. Speak to me. I'm listening, Lord. Speak to me. Speak to me. I just want to hear you. Speak to me. Just want to hear you. The Lord bless you and keep you as you go tonight and as you meet together. God be with you. Well, sorry for the noise at the end of that recording, but sometimes that happens when you're outdoors and you're recording live. But uh, I, I hope you can hear the heart of uh, the message and the heart of the song that I sang at the end. By the way, that song was written by Dave Lubin, and uh, you should check it out sometime. It's called Speak to Me. It's really, really a great tune. You might want to use it at your church sometime during a prayer time. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head. Now, next week, the plan is to have Nick Flora back on the podcast. He has a new album out called The Reintroduction of Nick Flora. It came out last week while I was in West Virginia, and the same day it released, it broke the top 40 on the iTunes chart. So it's going to be great to have Nick back with us here on Voices in My Head. Check it out next week. God bless, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.